From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. From wars to censorship to cultural issues, you're with Mark Morano and Unleashed on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to Unleashed on TNT with Mark Morano. Breaking news. Climate punks trash the U.S. Constitution at the National Archive Rotunda in Washington, D.C. Let's roll the tape. We're looking at clip seven. We are determined to foment a rebellion. We will not be held to laws in which we have no voice or representation. This country is founded on the conditions that all men are created or created equally and endowed with the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're calling for all people to have all these rights, not just wealthy white men. We all deserve clean air, water, food, and a livable climate. Yay! Right now, our children, we don't want to see our children through the end of civilization, but... And there you have it. The entire U.S. archive was evacuated because of this stunt. And did you notice our men in blue and women in blue stood around and enabled these protesters to not only deface the case of the of the where the U.S. Constitution was held, but also to quiet the crowd, it seemed like, and just allow them to speak. It's almost as if, hey, they have the floor, everyone. Let's be quiet. We have some uh, we have some uh, vandals here that want to speak. Let's give them our due respect that they've deserved, that they've earned. I mean, I'm not for you know crushing dissent, but at the same time, you don't have to give people a free venue to to spout their nonsense. Now, before you dismiss these climate nuts that go and uh, go after the U.S. Constitution like this, just realize they're the voice of the establishment. They're the voice of the ruling class. They're the voice of the billionaire class. What do I mean? Here we go. Uh, climate activists have been pouring tomato soup on Van Gogh. Climate activists have been uh, going after highways, going after statues in Italy, going after the Brandenburg Gate in Germany, going a football game, halftime, uh, you name it, the Van Gogh. But it turns out Hollywood is funding them. What these protesters were chanting is, we have a climate emergency. They're actually against, they're anti-Biden protesters. They're, they don't think Biden's done enough to fight climate change. Hollywood director who did the film Don't Look Up, Adam McKay, pledged $4 million to this climate emergency fund back in 2022. He's also joined the board of directors of these funds. And these are the climate emergency fund are the ones sending all these radicals out to museums and art galleries and highways. And they're doing nonviolent acts. Big Oil Harris funding Just Stop uh, Oil. This is the Rockefellers and other groups that are just pouring money into these. This is the way they want you to speak. The granddaughter of Getty Oil Magnet, founding donor of the organization that funds Just Stop Oil. Uh, and they're they're vandalizing, they're, they're, they're funded by this ruling class establishment. So in other words, when you see these poor souls out there screaming about climate emergencies and we have to do something, this is what the billionaire class, this is what the foundations, this is what the climate establishment wants and wants people to say. It's not like these are a few wacky nuts that where'd they come from and oh, they're acting on their own. No, they're, they're not acting on their own. This is coordinated. I want to show you this. This is clip five. 
These are climate activists from the same type of climate emergency fund or similar group arrested for defacing the uh, 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment, the first black regiment in the Civil War at the National Art Gallery in Washington. Let's take a look at this. My, my sort of what I'm looking for is in California, it was Clip something six. like Sorry 10 about years that. of a gas powered vehicle. Clip six. Let's get the right clip. Doesn't it strike you that these priceless art, museums, statues, documents, symbols of history and architecture have no security? I mean, this is an indoor museum. People have free reign to just smear walls, smear cases, deface stuff. It's going to cost thousands of dollars to repair. It's going to require crews, paint, cleanup repainting uh there's just no action and, and in the cases where security does show up they keep everyone quiet so everyone can hear the message as we saw at the u.s constitution as i said i defended the climate activists i thought police or the tribal police i guess at the burning man were too rough dragging them off and shoving them and doing other things and threatening to run them over uh with trucks and stuff at least some of the people were and i i believe in dissent but at the other hand you don't have to give in to dissent and allow vandalism to make their point and give them police escorts and police uh, walking through. So to me, the real story, that's one of the big stories. And the second story, of course, is these are not just young activists deluded. They are that, but they are being funded and sent out by the Hollywood foundational academia and climate establishment elite. It's just, that's just as simple as it is. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, as you know, I did my hair shirt story the the weaving human hair uh, into clothing uh because of climate change according to the washington post climate solutions reporter well uh, i had a lot of fun i got to uh repackage it and go on sean hannity on fox news prime time on, on with sean hannity this is clip one of my appearance and it's also got uh tudor dixon the former gop gubernatorial candidate giving her take so let's play Clip one right now, and I think you'll enjoy All right, it. Straight ahead, straight ahead tonight, the climate alarmist religious cult, they have officially gone too far. Uh, you're not going to believe their latest plans. One involves recycling your hair. It's going to be a lot of white hair that you get from me. I don't know. We'll explain. All right, I think you'll love this story. A new addition to the growing list of household items that New York City officials want to ban. Tide, you know, we used to wash your clothes, you know those pods you use? Yeah, they want to ban that. A new bill would make it illegal to sell laundry detergent pods and sheets that contain polyvinyl alcohol, which is most of them. 
And any businesses, by the way, that break the law, they can be hit with a fine up to $1,200. The black market for those those pods are going to be huge. We reached out to the mayor's office for comment. They said they are reviewing the legislation. And by the way, more from the climate alarmist religious cult. According to the Washington Post, a group of entrepreneurs and environmentalists, well, they're now looking to turn human hair into clothing. The group wants to collect human hair off salon floors and turn it into sweaters. 32 tons a day, apparently. Anyway, joining us now, publisher of the Climate Depot and the author of The Great Reset, Mark Morano is with us, as well as the host of Tudor Dixon's show, the Tudor Dixon podcast, Tudor Dixon. Uh, Tudor, let's start with you. Now, I do think that the issue of 32 tons of hair, that's a lot of hair. But you know what? Please leave my hair, my hair, even though it's cut alone, please leave now my washing machine alone and leave my refrigerator alone and leave my air conditioner alone and let me buy meat and eat it with a smile on my face not feel like i'm i'm destroying the planet uh... but here we go again yeah i think human hair sweaters are going to be very similar to electric vehicles they're just not going to have a market for it you know i turned to my daughters i'm like so i have to talk about human hair sweaters are you guys into that and they're like what oh my gosh disgusting and you could just see it has like the vibes of rub the lotion on its skin or get the hose again you know it's like how many pieces of humans are you eventually going to use no thanks let's not recycle human parts ever that's a no and that was uh, Tudor Dixon, very well did, asking her daughters about it. Sean Hannity having a lot of fun with this. Just important point, TNT News broke this story. I came on here first on TNT with this story about the Washington Post, broke that, and then I did a several media TV outlet hits, including uh, One America and Fox News, uh, on this very story and a lot of radio. But you were, we were the first here on Unleashed on TNT to have that story. Uh, I will get to my segment where I talk about the hair. But the other thing that Sean Haney mentioned with the pods, we now have in New York City a proposal to ban washing machine and uh, dishwasher detergent pods because of the plastic used in them. And this reminds me of the plastic bag. There was a great meme out, and it just says this. You go to the grocery store. You buy a pound of sliced ham in a plastic bag, a loaf of bread in a plastic bag, a gallon of milk in a plastic jug, a, 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 a napkins in plastic wrap, a store-made salad in a plastic tub, a plastic bottle of mustard and ketchup, but they won't give me a plastic bag to carry home because the plastic bag is bad for the environment. And it's not really about the environment. It's not really about even making a, even a, an immeasurable, unmeasurable a, a measurement you can't even trace a difference. It's about raising your awareness and punishing you and making you sacrifice, which brings us back to the hair. It's like a hair shirt. And if you look at the history of hair shirts, it's a religious item that you would wear that would be itchy and scratchy and it would remind you of sort of your closeness with God, you're sacrificing for him, you're suffering. It's a hair shirt. Uh, people at, at kneelers and some of the old churches, you could have your knees being scraped. And the idea is you're you're feeling the pain for God and religion. And that's really what this is about. They want you to go to the barber and be concerned when you see the floor sweepings. And, oh, don't throw that out. I don't, uh, and uh, so this is clip two. Me on Sean Hannity. This is my turn now. And I have some fun with this. And Hannity has some fun. Let's watch clip two of me on Fox News with Hannity the other night. It's weird. Mark, um, I'm not even sure where this came from. Are you? 
Well, it's just a long line of, uh, of climate bans and climate wackiness. You know, you have the, talking about the carbon footprint of house plants, of backyard barbecues, of uh, human breath. There was a study in December of 2023. Human breath contributes to global warming. Women contribute more with their breath to global warming than men do. They've dissected this down to make our lives miserable. So now Elon Musk wants a carbon tax, Sean. Well, we don't need a carbon tax. All you got to do is send school kids after school in a climate project to sweep up the floor at bar- local barber shops, and that can be the equivalent of our carbon tax, according to the Washington Post. We can save the planet by having kids sweep up the salon floor. That's how nuts the climate debate has evolved into. I don't know. Where does this end? Uh, Tudor Dixon, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to try to save some breath here. I'm going to say it with a la- with not a lot of breath here because, you know, I hate to do that. But um, I don't think it ends. I think they're going somewhere with this. They love it. But I would like to say I don't think that people are going to be afraid of the Tide Pods because you can literally murder people in the streets of New York and nobody comes <laughs> to arrest you. So I think you're pretty safe to keep selling those Tide Pods. How about the liberals give up their, par- their, their cars and their private jets? And how about the government? Maybe they should not fly on the 1,000 fleet helicopters and jets that we allow the government to have that we pay for. Let's start there, Mark. We have 15 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. They'll never do that. They want to ban the plastic bags, ban the plastic, make your life miserable. They, they're, these are hair shirts. They want you to suffer like the religious for your climate <laughs> sins. I wonder who, who I wonder of the three of us whose hair might be worth more. I don't know. Could be a new business. More Hannity next. Well, I got to tell you, to answer Sean's question, I think Tudor Dixon's hair would be worth the most. Uh, I think that would be highly sought after, that kind of mane of hair. Uh, I would have the least hair of all of them here. Uh, but that was a lot of fun to do that segment. And again, we broke that story here on TNT and the wackiness, and it just shows you the influence. We The tentacles of this grew out. Uh, of that. What's interesting is as this climate movement devolves into such wackiness, you have now major liberal figures, people like Bill Maher, now jumping on the bandwagon of calling out the Hollywood hypocrisy, questioning the COVID solutions, questioning COVID severity, and just questioning climate. We'll get to some other people, but let's go. This is clip three, Bill Maher making fun of Hollywood celebrities and private jets who also happen to be climate activists. And below it, this is from Instagram, is a map of all the private jets in and out of all by all the celebrities and wealthy and the billionaire class who supports all these climate restrictions on the rest of us, us, the masses, all the private jets going in and out. So let's watch uh, clip three. Now enjoy this fun photo collage of some of your favorite stars. And- <laughs> politicians who speak about the need to reduce our carbon footprint, but who are always on private planes. That's right, all of them. If you don't see a celebrity's picture here, it's because we weren't allowed to use it. (laughs) Or their series got canceled. But all the environmentalists of Hollywood and Washington do it. Their position on climate change is, we must do more to stop pouring carbon into the air, except for me when I want to go somewhere and then I take a private jet. Spot on. It's like I've always said about Bernie Sanders and other, you know, all they talk about is keeping carbon in the ground. 
but yet they can't stop spewing it at 30,000 feet in private jets. And that's the same with these Hollywood celebrities. It's the same with John Kerry. It's the same with Al Gore. It's the same with Bill Gates. It's the same with the UN climate chief. It's the same uh, with every other climate activists, especially the wealthy ones who are just willing not to do anything. Maybe they'll buy a carbon offset here or there. Well, yesterday I showed you Jimmy Dore and talked about the liberal conversion. Let me just, this is Jimmy Dore with Dr. Drew. And we're going to have more on Dr. Drew in the clip after this, but this is clip four. This is Jimmy Dore. Just to give you an idea again, this was a left-wing progressive, used to be on Young Turks, a very left-wing show that basically thought the Democratic Party wasn't, you know, wasn't left-wing enough. This is where he cut his teeth and bones. He has now been red-pilled to the point where he's allies now and has Tucker Carlson on his show. He's openly climate skeptic, talking about CO2 levels, greening the earth. Here he is talking with Dr. Drew about, Dr. Drew, about why you should question climate change, clip four. I was just telling you about how now I question everything, including climate change. And what I tell people is that you you can believe that uh, carbon based climate change is real. Mm -hmm. But I know for a fact that the everything that the establishment proposes to fight that is ridiculous. Right. Right now, they're trying to shut down Dutch farms. That's what they're saying right. is the problem. That's, That's the problem. Right. You know, the biggest emitter of carbon in the even if you believe that the biggest emitter of carbon in the world is the U.S. military. The next time Greta Thunberg pro protests outside a new military base is the next time I'll believe anything she has to say. Greta Thunberg is a psyop invented by a PR firm. You could keep Dr. Drew over my shoulder. That, that, that's what she is. She'll never go. She went, She's pro-Ukraine war. The biggest emis emission of methane gas in the history of the world was the Nord Stream pipeline that was blown up, right? And who blew yep. that up? The United States, the CIA, and NATO blew that up. Yep. And so that's she's right. not protesting that. She's not protesting war. She's in invited to come to the WEF and speak at Davos. There's no way if she was actually opposing them that they would be inviting her. So this idea that the problem is, oh, by the way, in California, Dr. you can't have a gas-powered lawnmower or a gas-powered leaf blower. You know what they didn't outlaw? Private jet travel. One private jet travel emits as much carbon as my car does in my lifetime. They'll never pass. So once they once they ban private jet travel and they cut, they close down eight or John Kerry or Barack Obama or Joe Biden say we have to shut down 800 military bases around the world. That's when I'll start believing what they say about climate change and not until then. Wow. Wow. How articulate. It takes a red-pilled left-wing progressive to become that articulate, that fired up, that logical, that uh, just powerful testimonial. Jimmy Dore explaining why he no longer believes in the climate scam. Impressive. Impressive as hell. Love what he said about Greta Thunberg. He is spot on. She is an absolute psyop. Her mother was a member of a major environmental group. Her father was well-connected. The whole movement, they called it Greta Inc., was just crafted by the climate establishment, her rise to fame, her time, person of the year everything about her. What they didn't count on was her turning against the climate movement and becoming so radical that she now calls the UN climate process a, a sham and full of uh, greenwashing. And even when he meshed with the WEF, she's no longer really their poster child. She's been replaced by another teen influencer named Sophia Konani, uh, who uh, is literally towing the more traditional climate alarmism line. Um, but Greta, 
uh, has you know sort of lost favor because she's been even too radical for the uh, you know the establishment. But he is just spot on, and he's absolutely right about wars in the U.S. military. Uh, you'll never really hear at all about the military's carbon footprint in a way. You'll hear like these stupid reports from the Navy and the Army, and they're well, we're going to cut our weapon systems and do this. That's not what it's about. It's about the fact that we're you know trying to utilize them and all the bombs, and we're trying to have a foreign policy that's uh, incredibly aggressive. And that's the other thing. If you would have more climate protesters protesting the military, but they're not the financing behind them uh, is not going to support that, uh, and that's why you won't see that. Okay. This is Dr. Drew. Now, Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew Pinsky, he was a MTV, uh, he rose to fame as MTV, uh, I guess you'd call it a VJ. He did a thing show called Loveline. He was with Adam Carolla. And then he did a whole series of celebrity rehab shows. And he was, uh, you know, a, a reality TV star. Then he had a radio show. I was on his show when I did my first film uh the climate hustle and maybe it's right after like 2000 maybe 2016 17. he was uh, becoming a skeptic then he's sort of a was a hollywood but he's a, more of a libertarian but here's his view on climate change and this takes courage given where he's coming from this is clip five dr drew pinsky on his views on climate change on the jimmy Dore show my, my sort of what i'm looking for is in california it was something like 10 years of gas-powered vehicles are, is completely un, eliminating 10 years of gas-powered vehicles is completely undone by one of our forest fires. So if you were actually serious about carbon emission in California, you would be doing forestry management. Huh. That would be your numero uno job. And all these fires we have, they are not because of, they started because of electric companies, but their reason is such a problem is that we stopped doing forestry management in this state. I grew up in Southern California, and when you looked at the San Gabriel Mountains behind us here, they used to be crisscrossed by these fire breaks. They were all over the place. They eliminated, eliminated even fire breaks because it was interfering with the migration of a mouse. And so now it's all one thing, and they are not cleaning the floors. They are not doing any logging because, well, I mean, again, that's upsetting some owls. And so and then they that's get what the they trick. get. That's so the there's trick, number one. Yeah. Numero one is forestry management. Number two, if you're really serious, you'd be getting behind nuclear. Now, interestingly, some of the European countries are. And then number three, if carbon is the issue, let's come up with an efficient way to carbon scrub. And if you're not doing those three things, then you really you really don't care. You just you just want to be a, a, aggrieved. That's really what you want. Again, very well said, Dr. Drew Pinsky, giving his perspective on this and a good shout out to nuclear energy. I always joke, you know, if you actually are worried about global warming, blame Jane Fonda. It was her film, The China Syndrome in 1979, that scared the hell out of the public about nuclear energy and made it politically uh, untenable in the United States. So it's uh, Hollywood itself. If you believe CO2 created a climate catastrophe or we're in one, you should be blaming Jane Fonda and Hollywood for their ir irrational anti-science rejection of nuclear energy. Okay, when we come back, we are going to be joined by a fantastic guest, climate skeptic Tony Heller of Real Climate Science and at Twitter at, at Tony Climate. He has been debunking global warming for decades. He has got, he is one of the greatest debunkers of the global warming uh, con. I'm welcome, very happy to welcome to the program. This will be his first time on my show. Uh, so when we come back, we'll be seeing Tony Heller. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. TNT's Kate Shimarani. Well, it might surprise you that in the last 
10 years, there's been a 96% increase in revenue from oncology drugs to $103 billion in 2019. So it, it's incredible to think that the results are staggering, that over the past decade, the proportional revenues from the sale of cancer drugs has increased by nearly 100%. Anyone would think that they knew, wouldn't they, what's coming? And over the same time period from non-cancer drugs that decreased by 20%, mm, all of these vaccine companies have now switched to oncology drugs as well. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk TNT. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. Welcome back to Unleashed on TNT with Mark Morano. Okay. Joining us now is my old friend and uh, someone I'm honored to have joined the program, Tony Heller of Real Clear, of Real uh, RealClimateScience.com, and uh, Tony at Tony Climate on Twitter. Welcome to the program, Tony. Uh, it's a thrill to have you today. Yeah, it's good to be here, Mark. I haven't seen you for a long time. Yeah, appreciate it. Now, I just saw your recent appearance on Jimmy Dore. Tell us a little bit about that. I just I don't know if you got to see it, but. I've been playing Jimmy Dore clips the last two weeks. Jimmy Dore was such a left-wing progressive. He was on the Young Turks. He was basically thought all the Democrat Party nominees were too conservative centrist, but he's been completely red-pilled by COVID. And because of COVID and because of Russiagate and because of these other things where the establishment just blatantly lied, he started questioning climate. He's now doing segments about about greening of the earth with CO2. He featured you on the program. Tell us a little about your experience there and what your conversation with Jimmy Dore was like. Yeah, well, he he made the point several times that he realized during COVID that the government could create a completely fictional story and run with it for years on end. Um, and so he started, and so that's why he was interested in the climate and hearing my perspective about climate, you know, that I've been presenting that idea that this whole story about climate change and the climate crisis was fictional. Um, the whole thing was fabricated and, and you know, I started doing this, um, 16 years ago, not a lot of people believed me. They, they just didn't <laughs> seem possible that 
that the government and the press could do this. Um, but I think over time, the realization has become widespread that yes, the government can do this. They can create a story. They can run with it for years. They can run with it for decades. You know, the same story with no, no scientific basis, no historical basis. They just create a fictional story and and stick with it and that's what the climate story is there, there's no science there's no history there's no reality behind it it's it's just a, a story a convenient story to push towards certain agendas yeah and, and joining people like jimmy Dore is something like russell brand who now is open to the idea he always says he's concerned about climate but he recognized it and i think the ultimate uh and you can speak to this is rfk jr has said he's not going to talk about climate change during the 2024 presidential campaign because climate has been hijacked by the World Economic Forum and the United Nations for totalitarian control of society. It's almost verbatim quote. To me, that sort of sums it up. Uh, what's your reaction to that? And this is the guy that went into jail climate deniers at The Hague with three square miles. And by the way, he has, in an interview with Reason TV, libertarian publication he did sort of regret saying it and apologize for ever saying that about jailing yeah. the ceos of energy companies well i've been arguing with him on twitter for years you know trying to point out to him says you know you understand that the vaccine thing is story is fictional he says don't you realize that the the mechanisms the techniques they're using for climate are identical to what they're doing with with COVID and vaccines you know the whole thing is structured the same way it's it's same fake story just with a different wrapper around and it is uh, now tell I, us I've been, I've been, yeah no go ahead but yeah i just i was just surprised that he it took him you know he, he's just yeah. starting possibly to come around and understand that um i, th I think a, i think a lot of his experience was that he remembers his childhood he remembers sledding with you know, with his father and his uncle in Virginia in the early 1960s, which was the snowiest decade on record in Virginia. So he has these, his, his child, he assumed that this was the normal climate of Virginia, was the heavy snowfall then. He remembered yeah. doing a lot of sledding. And then when th there wasn't as much snow later on, he assumed it was due to climate change. Um, rather than understanding that his childhood was actually an anomaly rather than the normal sledding conditions in Virginia. Well, it's interesting because people always look at climate. They'll say, this is the coldest I remember. I remember there was a Arctic guy who did the Arctic report, Robert Carell, who said, you know, the, the, this is as cold as I've ever seen it in the Arctic. Well, it's like, well, you're only going on your lifetime. And Michael Mann, of course, has said repeatedly, if you want to know how global warming is doing, look out your living room window, kind of like whatever weather you have is due to the climate crisis. How do we correct that sort of era of human judgment? Because they look at it and they say, well, it used to do X, Y, Z where I live and now it's not, it must be climate change. You see this all the time. I remember watching Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. Uh, when Katrina hit and they're like, oh, you know, that's climate change. That's climate change. Uh, is that it? Is that sort of, in, I guess, uh, is it innate in human nature that we just look for something to blame and and uh, the, the the this media establishment and government and academia complex has given us climate change as the scapegoat? I don't think it's due to academia. I think it's just human nature, like you said, you know, the, the tens of thousands of people were burned at the stake in Europe in the 
16th century yeah. because they were accused of being witches who were cooking the weather. People would say, the weather has changed. We didn't used to have bad weather like this before. Um, so it must be somebody's fault. So they blamed witches. You know, now they blame Republicans. So I'm not sure they've advanced very far from from. But even days. that, uh, Will Happer always points out that the uh, the judges who condemned the women at the at Salem were majority educated. A uh, majority of them were educated at Harvard University, and I actually looked right. that up. That's that's amazing. So the ruling class elite did put their stamp of approval on those witch trials at the time. Yeah, it's it's always been that way. And I'm in 18. I've got a, one of my favorite articles is from the Brisbane Courier in 1871, titled "Imaginary Changes of Climate," and it goes through all the same things that people yes. are always imagining that the climate's changing. The statistics are always exaggerated. The official statistics are always exaggerated. It's that every season is sure to be the hottest, coldest, windiest, or wettest ever known. You know, the same systems, symptoms we have now. And got another article from 1906 lamenting the same thing um, with some climate experts saying people always, people's faulty memories always lead them to believe that the climate is changing and um, and there has to be an explanation for it. Robert DeCourcy Ward, who was considered the leading American meteorologist at one time made a similar statement is this is this belief in climate change is due to people's defective memories. Um, Thomas Jefferson had a um, had a, a famous debate with um, Webster, Noah Webster, um, about climate change. Jefferson believed in global warming and Noah Webster convinced him that what he was seeing was actually sort of urban heat island effects. It was land use changes that occurred. People had cut the forest down. So now the snow has melted earlier in the spring than they did when Thomas Jefferson was a child. And I think Noah Webster won that debate. So this is something people have always suffered from. They were, people remember certain things from their childhood, just like Robert Kennedy Jr. does. And they think that this is normal. And so they, when they see that things are different as an adult, they assume it's due to climate change rather than that it was some anomaly when they were a child or that they just don't remember things very well from their childhood. But it's innate in human nature. And I think people pushing this whole climate scam have taken advantage of that fundamental defect in human nature. I remember, I think it was the Maitland Mercury News from Australia, and it had the indigenous uh, people saying that they lamented the weather change. This is like 1840 or so, 1830-something. Right, right. Lamenting the weather had changed when with the introduction of the white man on the continent. Right. Uh, explain that a little bit. I believe that was, the, I don't know what year that was, 1841 maybe? I can't remember, because you, you found all this stuff. By the way, yeah. you are without peer in terms of historical climate analysis, your specialty, just if I if I may be so bold, is analyzing the first of all government data and showing where they're fudging the numbers and and revising them and and changing them, uh, uh, you know, with uh, very questionable tactics. But also, your one of your greatest talents is finding these old media reports, whether it's on Greenland, the Arctic, the 19th century, on weather. I, I've never met a climate researcher who can do the work. We use a lot of your work and interviewed you for both our films, or at least at least the second, I believe, uh, Climate Hustle and Climate Hustle Two. And we use a lot of your article shots that you got. I still use all your stuff on my website. I mean, it's been 
the, and I think that's the reason, one of the key reasons you were called to testify on congressional hearings, uh, your work in the climate space is unique and um, perhaps some of the most impactful I've seen of any climate skeptic out there. So anyway, I just wanted to get that out because I really have admired your work for a long time. Well, thanks, Mark. Yeah, you know, some people, a lot of people have done um, really good work, like directly going in and looking at Michael Mann's hockey stick, you know, and at the statistical methods he's he's taken and showing what was wrong with them. Um, I decided I didn't want to go and take that approach. I'm doing different things, which is going and looking at the historical record and say, does Michael Mann's hockey stick make sense? You know, he shows 1910 as being like the, the years around 1910 as being the coldest years of the last millennium. So I've gone in and looked and seen, well, what were glaciers doing? What were people reporting on what glaciers were doing? See that glaciers were melting very rapidly around 1910, which doesn't make any sense because um, those glaciers form most of the glaciers we have now form during the Little Ice Age. They were during the medieval warm period. There were few, if any, glaciers in Europe or North America or in the you know in the United States. And those glaciers formed during the Little Ice Age, and then they were melting very rapidly around 19 from around 1850 until about 1950. Glaciers were melting very rapidly. And this was totally inconsistent with Michael Mann's hockey stick. They, the glaciers should have been forming then, not melting. So I've sort of taken that approach of Let's look at the historical record, see how it correlates with claims from Michael Mann, claims about the, the global temperature record, and invariably they don't line up. But answering your question about that article from the 1840s from the Maitland Mercury, you know, the, the observation was that the climate had changed in Australia since white men arrived. And they may well have been correct about that, actually, because what, what, they, what happened was when when the Europeans arrived in in Australia, they cut a lot of forest down, and they they made big land use changes where they changed forest land into agricultural land, and that may well have had a significant change in the climate of Australia. So the Aborigines may have been correct in the 1840s, um, unlike the people who are making the claims right. now. Yeah. I, um, before we get into any more climate, just tell us how you got involved in this debate. What's your background? Uh, I, I, I understand you testified as a young man on environmental issues. Just tell us your whole background and how you got involved in environmental issues and ultimately how you got involved to the climate and, of course, your scientific training as well. Yeah, well, I've, um, I've been involved in science all my life. I grew up in Los Alamos. My father was a nuclear physicist. So I've been in the scientific community all my life, always been interested in it. Um, I was working at Los Alamos around 1980 um, as a geologist. And um, my boss, who was a geochemist, introduced me to the idea of global warming. And it made sense to me and my observations through the 1990s seemed to pretty much line up with global warming theory. Clearly things were getting warmer during that time. I'm coming out of the very cold 1970s. Um, but during around the mid middle of the first decade of this century, I started seeing things that didn't make any sense. You know, the trend, I started seeing trends that were going the opposite direction. So I started looking into it you know what's going on here why why aren't 
why isn't these trends I saw in the 1990s continuing? I started looking specifically at the NASA temperature data, how it's being handled, and I was just horrified. Um, I, I, I've got degrees in science and engineering, and I worked for a long time designing microprocessors for companies like Intel, where everything has to be perfect. And I started looking at what NASA was doing with the temperature data, and it was not only not perfect, it was complete garbage. What they're doing was completely unacceptable. The way they're tampering with temperature data, and they they're just creating a fictional story that actual temperature data was showing the opposite of what they were claiming and what they do is they just come in and alter the data and in fact i'm about to make a video about this i'm going to release it in an hour or two um showing how it, the u.s temperature record is completely fake it's just been manipulated by nasa to show the opposite of what it what it actually is and, and I was saying, well, you can't do this. You can't, this isn't science. This isn't engineering. This isn't history. It's just fiction. These people are just creating a fictional story. And, and then I looked into it more and more and more. I looked into it, the more I realized this, there, I realized it was fiction. I realized that they're pushing agendas. I realized that they're lying. And I realized that this whole global warming story had nothing to do with reality. And I had been a true believer for decades prior to that. Wow. Um, all right, we have to take a break. We're going to come back. I want to ask you more about this temperature alterations and also what you would tell a young person, like an elevator speech on why they shouldn't be afraid of climate change. Uh, this is Unleashed with Mark Morano. We're speaking with uh, climate skeptic Tony Heller, uh, who runs Real Climate Science, and he's available at Tony Climate. I believe it. Is it how do you say your website? Twitter, is it at Tony Climate? Am I saying that right? Or yeah, I, th I think that's correct. Yeah. Tony Climate, yeah. Because I, I, anyway, we'll be right back on TNT after these messages. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week, Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, testified before Congress and talked all about the threat that China poses to us, and it was downright frightening. The CCP's dangerous actions. China's multi-pronged assault on our national and economic security make it the defining threat of our generation. Now, when I described the CCP as a threat to American safety a moment ago, I meant that quite literally. There has been far too little public focus on the fact that PRC hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure. Seemingly everything we need to survive. Our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses to every American requires our attention now. And get this, we even have a time frame for this impending disaster. The budgets that emerge from discussions underway now will dictate what kind of resources we have ready in 2027, a year that as this committee knows all too well, the CCP has circled on its calendar. Oh, we have three years to neutralize this existential threat. Don't you feel better? I don't. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, right here on TNT. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. 
It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school, hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through, and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador, so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. From economics to the woke agenda, this is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to Unleashed on TNT, host Mark Morano. We're continuing our talk with Tony Heller at From Real Climate Science and also at Tony Climate on Twitter. All right, um, let me just ask you, a young person concerned about climate, what's an elevator speech that you have against the fear of man-made climate change, uh, you know, in about a minute or less, what would you, what is the basics of it that you would say? How would you summarize the whole issue as not a concern? Yeah, I, I would tell them that they're living the most comfortable lives that any humans have ever lived in history. Life expectancy is the longest it's ever been. Deaths from natural disasters are at an historic low. They're down 95%. Um, over the last century, including weather. They're much less likely to die in a weather disaster than people 100 years ago were. Um, during the 19th century, there were terrible heat waves, droughts, and famines, which killed literally tens of millions of people like around 1878 and 1896. We don't have those anymore. You know, they're, they're living very comfortable lives because of fossil fuels. Fossil fuels give them mobility and communications and climate control. They can go from their air-conditioned or heated car to their air-conditioned or heated buildings, not have to experience any of the discomfort which people in prior generations had to. And it's because they have a ready, available supply of energy, which is always on for them, and they can always get what they need. Um, and, and this comfortable life is made possible by coal, oil, and natural gas. It's not coming from wind. It's not coming from solar. I've I've got I installed wind and solar on my property, you know, and, and it's nice. But you can't rely on it. You know, I live in Wyoming, which is the windiest state in the country, but. You know, I can't rely on the wind and I can't rely on the solar. I, what I rely on is the fossil fuel. So um, I rely on I rely on our excellent coal in, in the state of Wyoming and natural gas to stay warm and comfortable. Our food comes in on trucks, diesel powered trucks. Our communications are all driven, are all powered by fossil fuels. You can't take this for granted. If if we lose this, their lives are no longer going, they're not going to have these comfortable lives anymore. If they have to rely on wind and solar, they're going to experience the misery and suffering and pain and, and possible death, um, which, which people in past generations did before we had this amazing fossil fuel infrastructure. So if they're looking at the costs of, we always hear about the social costs of carbon, 
the real yeah. self social cost would be if we don't have enough energy that would be a that would be a disaster if we don't if we run short of energy like during 50 years ago uh, 50 years ago this month uh, one of the one of the front pages of the new york times was featuring people lined up for hours to get gas the uh, the oil producing states in the middle east had cut off our um our supply of oil opec cut off our supply of oil and people were lined up for hours to get gas and you can only get gas depending on your license plate you can only get gas every other day even if you wanted life was horrible because there wasn't enough gas available the problem isn't um that we have gas the problem would be if we don't have the gas the problem would be if they go to their you know we're, what happens when you turn that little thermostat on the wall it's not something magic that happens what happens is natural gas goes to your to your heater and into your hot water heater or to your stove and makes it your life comfortable without that your life's going to be difficult it may be impossible so that, that would be my speech is don't take this wonderful you know high energy you know reliable energy infrastructure we have for granted without it your lives would be extremely difficult it's not there's not this imaginary climate change that's your problem the 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 problem would be as if these net zero policies were actually implemented that would be that would be the real disaster wow all right now what about let's go through some rapid claims cnn claimed that the temperature i guess last july was the hottest in a hundred thousand years and 2023 is being called the hottest year ever recorded uh, what do you say to that? Because this this resonates with people. They think we're in unprecedented hot times. You know, it's ridiculous. And if you look back at what they're actually talking about, they're talking about since the Ice Age scare of the 1970s. You know, we know that the Arctic was largely or possibly completely ice-free 5,000 years ago. Um, they found trees, you know, there's fossilized tree stumps growing right up to the edge of the Arctic Ocean in Canada. And now the tree line's 100 kilometers further south. It's well established that Earth was much warmer around the time when the pyramids and Stonehenge was built. And we know that civilization thrived at times when temperatures were much warmer than they did now. Um, the Black Death occurred during the Little Ice Age. During cold periods, humans have tremendous difficulties. During warm periods, civilization thrives. There's no reason to be afraid of, of warm weather, even, even if it occurred. We, we hear all these, always, I was seeing someone was claiming last night about global warming is going to produce all these refugees, which is nonsense. If you look yeah. at where people are actually migrating, they're migrating to the warm states. You know, millions and millions of people have moved from the cold northern states to the warm southern states because people like warm weather. We always hear these claims that Arizona is getting too hot for people. To, Phoenix is getting too hot for people to live. Maricopa is the fastest growing county in the country. You know, obviously, obviously Phoenix isn't getting too hot for people to live. People want to live there. People like the hot weather. I attended, I went to college at Arizona State. I was on the soccer team. We went on practice soccer every afternoon at three o'clock. It was 105 degrees. You know, people could survive this weather. We didn't have air conditioning in my fraternity house. We, we had a swamp cooler. 
you know, all these claims about it's getting too hot, people can't survive warm weather and nonsense. People like warm weather, people like hot weather. I live in Wyoming now, it's really cold here. You know, there's times I think oh, it'd be nice to live in Arizona. Um, so the, this concept that the warm weather somehow threatens us or threatens civilization or or threatens a you know mass extinction are absurd the the greatest expansion of life on earth occurred 540 million years ago during the cambrian era at a time when carbon dioxide levels were 15 times higher than now and global temperatures were at least 10 c warmer than now that's when corals and shellfish appeared in the oceans so what is it that we're afraid of the whole story is completely fake First of all, the global warming is not happening. It's it's not going to happen. It's not any warming that's occurred wasn't due to carbon dioxide, and it's no threat even if it did happen. The, the whole story is a scam. It's just people push. Yeah, the way I look at it is, the World Economic Forum, these globalists, they don't like having all these peasants in front of them blocking the highways. They don't like them blocking the security lines at the airport. You saw this during COVID, you know, these lockdowns, they were saying, let's keep the lockdowns occurring. Let's have climate lockdowns after these lockdowns are done. Because then with the, with people locked down, then they can drive to the airport. They can get to their private jets really quickly and fly all over the world, get off Epstein's Island or wherever they're headed really yeah. quickly and not have to deal with the peasants. You know, it's the same thing which has always occurred. It's always been the European... You know, arrest aristocracy wanting to keep the peasants under control and keep the peasants as their servants, and nothing's changed. It's it's the Marie Antoinette thing, just continuing. You know, let let them instead of let them eat cake. Now it's let them eat insects. But it's it's the same <laughs> story right. that That's it's always great. been. Uh, what do you make of the of the British Medical Journal, two hundred medical journals, right before the UN summit in Dubai last fall? Uh, came out and said that they they called on the United Nations and the World Health Organization to list climate change as a public health threat. Uh, do you see? You mentioned COVID climate. Do you see that as emerging? And is climate change in any way, shape, or form a public health threat? And you, we only have about a minute and a half left. So go ahead. No, I, yeah, sure. It's it's definitely the same thing, same model as COVID. The lockdowns, keeping people off the road, keeping them in their house. But no, there's no threat here. You know, people live in a huge range of climates from Siberia to, you know, the Gulf Gulf of, of Gulf states where it's incredibly hot, you know, almost all year. Humans are very adaptable. Um, life is very adaptable. Um, Darwin's theory of survival of the fittest. That he took Darwin in The Origin of Species talked a lot about climate stress as being a key driver of evolution. So what is it? Why are these liberals who love Darwin, why are they afraid of this now? You know, this is a good thing. What they're talking about is a good thing. But there's no there's no threat here. The whole thing's fake. The threat is the globalist. The threat is their scam. The threat is net zero. The threat is not having enough energy. And that's what young people should be concerned about, is if these net zero policies were implemented, they would not have the energy they need for their future. And they would live very uncomfortable, difficult lives if if this agenda actually occurs. And they should be right. concerned about that. 
Thank you very much. We have to go. That's all out of time. That's Tony Heller at Tony Climate on Twitter and X and realclimatescience.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. See you next time.